Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. My head in the clouds, and two feet on the ground. Here's a secret, you can pass it around. All right. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane, and we got each other right now as we were recording a new episode for you, the listeners, fellas. What's been going on? It's all happening, man. It's all happening. What's happening? Like, what's all? I'm going to a lot of movies lately. Oh, oh it is yeah. all happening. Jeez. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm glad I'm sitting down. What, what, what did you watch? Uh, well, I mean, obviously now is the best time of year for good movies, oh, and I do fall, love baby. going to the movies. And the band's off off the road, and I just have more time to do stuff like that. So I saw May December. I got to see that. Moore, Natalie Portman. I saw the trailer like whatever, like a couple months ago when it was when it did the film festival circuit mm. before it came out. I went in totally blind, so I hadn't, I knew nothing about it. I didn't, I didn't even know who directed it, and I thought it was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen with like three or four very memorable scenes. <laughs> Have you seen his previous work, like Carol? I, I or? think I've seen. I've, I've, I've passed through Carol. I don't know if I ever watched Carol. Did you do the Bob Dylan movie? Yeah, yeah. I'm not there. Yeah, yeah. and I always, um, I, it's, it's so you don't want to build something up too much because when you tell somebody to watch it, and then they go, oh, "That's the thing you're talking about." That was the scene mm-hmm. that really rocked your boat. And I think part of it was that like I had didn't know anything about it, so that's why it like hit that much harder. But there's a few. It, it's it's sneakily very funny, and the theater was very laughy. Like is we, it like, we saw it a tiff. Is it campy or is it supposed it, to be campy? It, that's it, the it's whole intentionally thing, right? campy, yeah. and it has spoiler alert, I guess, um, some like '90s tabloid themes in it. Mm. Um, well, why, why don't we set the premise for the audience, right? Like the idea, and, and you learn it pretty quickly. So basically, Natalie Portman is an actress, and yes. she's playing Julianne Moore, who is a famous uh, 
person from the 90s who did something very infamous. Do you remember yeah. Mary, yeah. Infamous. Yeah. Mary Kay Letourneau is the, the, this yes. is like a very famous 90s story where she fell in love with I cannot remember the name of her student uh-huh. and it was like was, 13 right something like yeah. that and it was an outrage and she left her family or her husband or whatever and it was the biggest 90s sort of tabloid the late 90s I think basically anyway I think they might still be together today I remember seeing some story mm. a couple years ago where it's like they built a family and they have this it was it was a real love for whatever yeah. that's worth beyond sort of the crime that she committed of making love to a minor. Why do I call making love and not just sex or sexual assault? I don't know. But either way, they got together and they're there <laughs> for they've been together. They yeah. have a family. Right. So mm-hmm. this movie sort of fictionalizes. Yeah. They, 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 they go. Imagine if you were making a, uh, a feature film and a yeah. famous Hollywood actor was coming to play this act, this this woman. Mm-hmm. And this is the premise. Right. Like yeah. years later now. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. You know, that's that's exactly it. We probably shouldn't say anymore, but there's some a couple of really, really funny scenes. And uh, just wait, wait, wait! You didn't know any of this going in. You're just like, I like May. I like June. You just walk into a theater. All I know, I knew nothing. And all I know is that Brooklyn Maddie and Ash were excited to see it, and that's all I need. Oh, it's May December. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I knew nothing, and um, I I liked it so much that I actually went online and found the original spec script of the movie. Wow! I read half of it and. Matt said, that's cheating. You're not allowed to do that. I was like, what do you mean you're not allowed to do that? He said, well, if you just read a script after the movie's been made, it's cheating because you're just watching the movie again. In your head. In your head. Right. Which I would agree with. Him calling it cheating was sort of weird. No, that's a good tool, though, because you're like, okay, maybe I wouldn't have appreciated the script if I read it. Mm Mm-hmm. But now I know if a script in this style can really work, can work. if done perfectly. And, but this I think the, that's smart that you did that. Yeah, well, and this, that's kind of why I wanted to do it because it was a spec script. So basically this writer had never made a feature movie. Natalie Portman has a production company. She reads it. And she, I guess, had been sending scripts to Todd Haynes for the previous mm-hmm. like years because she's a fan of his. And he's like, no, not, not for me, not for me, not for me. What are you doing, Mike? I'm actually just going down a rabbit hole of Mary Kay Letourneau right now. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. So that she's doing the exact same. No offense. Max. Apologies, but Max. No, reading a book. I, I heard you say spec script or something, and then I was just like, <laughs> "Yeah, going down the rabbit hole." Apologize. Phones down. All right, there uh, we go. I'm uh, engaged here. Uh, no, anyway, and so, but I was wondering. I was like, would I have uh, liked the script if I just, you know, never seen the movie? I was like, would this mm-hmm. move me? And and I don't think it would. It's tough. It, it's so crazy. And then, and then I started asking the question. I was like, what is it about this script? that made Natalie Portman go, this is amazing. It's so good. I'm going to send it to Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes has rejected a few of my ideas already. Todd Haynes then reads it and goes, yeah, this is the one for me. And and as I was reading it, they didn't really change any of the dialogue. They changed the location. Originally, was, they had it set in Maine. Now it's set in Savannah because they probably got a mm-hmm. tax break in Georgia. And so I was kind of uh, fascinated by that because I was like, these people who read scripts all day long, like, do I trust them? Like, I don't know. It seems so fucking random. Well, sometimes you do a little bit. It's like wine, right? If you're drinking a bunch of wine, you know more about the wine. You know more about music than me. I still know what a good song is. You could probably say why it's good and have references to compare it to and find nuance that I couldn't detect. Yeah. Also, I think there is still a crapshoot, but you know what I mean? It's a crapshoot, but also it kind of has to do with just like, who are the auteurs of the time? Who are the best producers of the time? Who are the best actors? And I guess it starts with the director. And if the, if you just happen to like peak a director's interest with a particular script and, and then you're like, go to work. And then the director can shape so much of it because he's like, Oh, that director's doing it. Yeah. Julianne Moore in Natalie Portman in like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost like 
give Todd Haynes any script and it'll probably be pretty good because you're getting top tier talent to work on it. Right? Yeah. And taking probably. something kind of sleazy and making it artistic, mm. I think is a very cool thing to do. Yeah. And I liked it. It was, it was funny. And which relates to another movie I just saw last night, had no idea what it was about. Again, went in completely mm-hmm. blind. It's called leave the world behind. Leave oh, the no, world behind. we're not talking about that. That's right. why the guy that did bad, uh, Mr. Robot, I'm so excited for this film, right. Julia Roberts. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for it to come out, but I don't want to know shit. Okay. Hmm. Good. I didn't want to know if you liked or didn't like it. Okay. Actually, that yeah, you can say if you liked or didn't like it, but I'm like, uh, I'm I assuming you, oh, Wait, wow. you, you, you opened it with that you liked it, right? Yeah. Didn't you? I okay. didn't, I missed that. Yeah, because um, okay. when you're reading about, Wikipedia, <laughs> well, you were talking about directors and how they can affect a project, uh-huh. which reminds me of I just read so uh, there's this book out about the OC, it's like the oral history of the OC. Mm. I'm not an OC guy, I did not watch the OC, but I was, I was like, it was around when I was growing up, obviously, like I was kind of in the age pocket, but I'm not a guy that watched it. Like my brother and Dan, when I lived with them, were like obsessed with the OC. I never watched, but I know the characters, I know generally what it is. Brody, Seth? No, yeah, uh, not, really. not at all. Really? The, maybe the curly hair. I'm not saying you're an ugly man, but I'm I'm saying <laughs> no, but you I'm do not Jewish. look like. I celebrate Christmas car. I have cool interest in uh, indie rock music from the early 2000s. Oh, who's told you you look like it? I think on my floor in first year at McMaster, I was sort of known as the Seth guy because I was in the, into band stuff, mm. half Jewish. Okay. Well, for sure, if you have to pick a character you're like, then yes. (laughs) Between him and Nisha Barton, then you clearly end up closer to Seth. All right, never mind. Forget I brought it up. No, it's nice. There's similarities. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Thanks for nothing, Shane. (laughs) You're handsome. You're you're like that handsome guy in that Coen Brothers movie. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, that guy's really handsome. Thank you. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Sam Ishmael. Sam Ishmael. so no, 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 we're not talking leave the world behind, which I'm very excited about though. Like very, very Can excited. Can you watch it in the theater, please? I'm going to. Okay, I good. actually went to the theater to see a movie. Okay. Oh, I saw the new Nicolas Cage. Oh, how was it? It was great. Have you guys heard about this dream scenario? No, then again. Say uh, no more. Okay. Yeah, I actually want to see it though. Yeah. And I'm I am doing an OC rewatch, so please no, I'm joking. <laughs> so anyway, oh, sorry, you're talking about this. I, again, I'm not a huge OC guy, but I'm very aware of it. It's pop culture phenomenon. Um, and I, Alan Sapinwall, who I've talked about in the last episode, actually, I like his critic. He wrote an oral history book uh, about the show. So he's been promoting on his Twitter. Now, I'm not like, I'm not going to read the book, but all these publications are, are printing excerpts from it. So it's like, you know, so they talk like there was a huge thing on Misha Barton's exit and how they had to like get rid of her. Why like did they, she, why they did she killed exit? her off? It's like it's it's an interesting article, but basically her, she has a momager and that was difficult. And even those conversations. But anyway, the book, it because, you know, it, it's such a famous thing and you can picture all the people. These excerpts are great, but I, I, I like to read them in like, oh, you're just printing like what would be four pages of the book as opposed to me committing to the whole book. Mm-hmm. They I just read an excerpt. I don't know what was in Cosmopolitan or something all about uh, the, the pilot, which is just. Mm-hmm. We love this kind of shit. Yeah. McGee was originally the director because he's a producer on it. He ends up backing out. This guy, Doug Lineman, ends yeah. up doing Swingers. it. Swingers. Who's yeah. a, way more indie, mm-hmm. handheld, all this shit. And they go so deep. But Doug's a weird guy. Like, they talk about... So, at the same time, he was directing that big movie... Um, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Brad Pitt and Angelina oh, yeah. Jolie. Mm-hmm. So he basically takes the OC pilot, but he's also prepping this feature for once he's done shooting the pilot. But there's this crazy story where he's like... He's basically shooting a thing on a lake, a scene on a lake or whatever, and he's in the boat and he realizes he's late for one of these Mr. and Mrs. Smith meetings. So he just jumps out of the boat and swims to shore to go to his meeting. And he says, the DP knows what I need to do. He goes, uh, the actors are prepared. Just shoot it and I'll be back. <laughs> and he oh, swam I, I to shore. on the boat. So he's in a boat shooting. The actors are in a boat to be filmed or whatever. And he's supposed to be there to direct it. But he's <laughs> like, the DP knows exactly what I want. And the actors are prepared. I'll see, I'll see you tomorrow. To get ready for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. 
because he had to go to another meeting for this big movie. <laughs> That's so there's this honestly, weird something I would do. There's this weird tension because it's like I think I think his name is Josh Schwartz, Schwartz is the creator, yeah. and he's like all of us began to really resent Mr. and Mrs. Smith because our director so was funny. just a, he wanted the the big project was the thing he clearly was yeah. like. You know, he had been doing it first. But anyway, they, they get into sort of how much he changed the nature of the aesthetic of the pilot. Like, just like the the, the, the handheld camera mm. stuff. Like, they're like, Peter Gallagher, who plays the dad, is, is like, there's a scene where there's a house on fire or something. And uh, the cameraman's supposed to be focused on the house on fire. And like, they're not in the shot. And he's like, no, 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 no. Start over here and then come over. Like, find the fire in the frame. All these little touches, mm. though, alter, like, they change so much of it, and the editor on it was like, yeah, he's like, uh, Doug was a, he's an interesting guy. He came in, and uh, he saw my first edit of, like, um, whatever, some scene, and he goes, this is the worst edit I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and he goes, oh, geez. He goes, and then I, I continue showing the edit, and then it's the scene where Rachel Bilson comes in for the first time, or whatever. He goes, this is one of the best scenes I've ever seen. He's like, this is perfect. He's like, don't change a single thing. It's perfect. And mm. he goes, and what I realized is it's like, this guy is going to be completely honest with me, good or bad. He's mm. like, so it made mm -hmm. me just be like, it's like, oh, he's not holding back praise mm. or like being unnecessarily mean. He's like, that's how he felt about that cut that he saw of that scene. He goes, and this is how he felt about this cut. He's like, so then I just got to work. And all of them, the actor to a person was like, we love that guy. And that guy ended up keeping, uh, he he was, he ended up giving Adam, Adam Brody, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. A, a scene in Mr., a role in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And uh. he was, so he was like, I didn't want to, this is also a very Max thing. So they have the set that this, the house for the OC, which is like built on a, a lot. It's in a soundstage or whatever. And at night he didn't want to drive home and then just turn around and come back to the set. So he would sleep in Seth's room <laughs> on the set. And so one of the producers is like, one day I'm going back to the set because I got to do some construction overnight and I see shoes and then I see pants. I love this. And I'm like, Doug, like, are you, he's like, yep, just going to get some sleep. Oh, it was Doug, not Adam Brady. It was Doug Lineman. Oh, wow. <laughs> the director would stay in the house and he felt very close to the Seth character. But anyway, he was just a, such a unique guy. And then even McGee comes in and he's like, Doug did things with that pilot. He's like, that I never would have done. I was just so obsessed with like, like color scheme and the opulence of the OC. And I was going to do it in a completely different slick way. He's like, and Doug kind of took the material and then had this aesthetic language for it. And that's what made it one. And people are all like, it's one of the best pilots I've ever seen in my career, blah, blah, blah. It got an immediate like sort of order based on like a sizzle reel. Um, wow. And it's crazy. And then they get into, uh, who's that cat that you wrote with that with that, uh, Oh, Phantom um, Planet. California. Uh, yeah. Alex Greenwald. Greenwald's in here quoted, like talking about how his song came to be like the, the theme. Oh, cause that's it's, a huge song. It's great. I'll send you guys the, the article. Oh, that is but so cool. when you just said a direct, it starts with the director and how things can go so different with all of these things. It's like the course of sort of entertainment history was changed because Doug Lyman takes the What's job. What's Lyman doing these days? Cause it seems that's like that question. work ethic would not go over well with Gen Z's. Just too abrasive, too weird. They were too saying invasive. Even then, they said it was hard for the young act. Peter Gallagher was like, he's like, listen, like I don't, or maybe it was Tate Donovan was like, I don't, we don't mind, like I can work that way. Like, how do you want the scene? How are we going to do it? He's like, but his lack of like um, enthusiasm and praise and more just direct conversation said it messed with the, the four young ones maybe a little mm. bit more because I mean I think for Misha Barton's the first acting role mm. I don't know about Rachel Bilson but there was like they made he's like all actors want to hear is you're great like mm -hmm. keep doing this or you got to handle them in a way you know whatever they're sensitive artistic souls mm -hmm. and I think he was just almost like straight ahead like xyz but all of them though in this oral history like I love him I love him I'd work with him again he was ah. he's a real one basically and Peter Gallagher went out of his way to basically say listen if I thought the way that he operated was like because he wanted to hurt or wield his intelligence to sort of be like malicious. Mm -hmm. He's like, I would not speak about him the way I speak about him today. He's like, he's just a very direct person and he's quirky and weird. And then Doug Lyman's in there like admitting, he's like, oh yeah, he's like, I had to get in the water. He's like, I had to, I had to swim. I had the meeting at the Mr. Smith. Like, it's just like interesting read though. It's good stuff. It's so funny though. Those, those 
anecdotes I find to be so dangerous though, because if, if that attitude is put in the wrong hands, you're yeah. just dealing with someone who will never get anywhere far. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. Someone's like, yeah, I just got to do the Lyman thing. Cause you know, the, he turns out to be right in the end. I know some people that it's just like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's, that's the thing that gets results. And I'm just like, Oh, like it works for Lyman. It's tricky, but, but, it, but mm. it, for a lot of people, it's like, fuck that guy. I hate communicating with that guy. That guy is so difficult. That guy doesn't want to be told Great ever point. what to do. And, but then, then that guy's always like work for Lyman. Like I have to be true to myself. Why do I have to sugarcoat <laughs> shit? Yeah. He's not putting it on. I think that's the difference. You can feel sometimes yeah. when people are like putting it on. Well, there's a great anecdote too about Doug. So he's like, he'll just grab the camera. So there's like a scene, I guess it's like the last scene where the sun is going down and Ryan is leaving whatever to go back to his home in Chino or whatever. And it's like, they've already shot Misha, I guess in that scene. I can't picture the scene cause I haven't, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the show, but apparently it's like, we'd shot her already and the day was wrapping and the sun was going down and we were like out of time. And basically for, in order for Doug to explain what he needed, the way he saw the scene, he just didn't have time. So he just grabbed the camera himself and he got in the car with Peter Gallagher and uh, the guy that plays Ryan, uh, Ben McKenzie. And he films the shot like of, I guess, the sun going down and sort of s- driving away from her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's maybe like the most beautiful shot in the whole series where Josh Schwartz is talking about this, mm. the creator. And it's like, it sort of speaks to just Doug being like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. They're like any Most directors are like, we got the coverage. Like we have the shot. You go and those kinds of like, willing to push it or how you sort of get, I think maybe art that is greater than the sum of its parts or how much time you have to actually do it on paper. It's like, Oh, that guy like made a scene happen that now lives forever and means something to mm. people. Okay. We'll relate to that. Yeah. Um, we sent a podcast to the group, a talk easy podcast. It was an interview with Benny Safty. Did you guys listen to that one yet? I haven't. No. Yeah. I'm on my second time listening to it while sleeping. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I, I always get to the 30 minute mark. Um, there, he tells us so Benny Safdie who did, uh, uncut gems. He has this new show with Nathan Fielder. Obviously we're all fans of his. It's yeah. Got, we talked about the last episode. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, he talks I about, I like that you do these pods and then you delete all information from oh, your brain. No, I <laughs> just move forward and have no clue. Um, but he talks about how he is a boom operator often on set. Did you guys hear this part of the, the podcast? That's where I fall asleep every time. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, because the, the, they cue him up like, oh, tell him the boom story. Then he gets into it and I drift off. So, so basically, yeah. when like when they're shooting low budget stuff, he realizes the boom operator is the only person that kind of gets to be near like the action and mm. or actually has a better vantage point than you would have in monitor worlds or the DOP. So it's like, oh, I can actually observe what the actor is doing with their body in a really intimate way that I just wouldn't get. So I will just be the boom operator. I'll save us the money there. And I'll just have a better feel for the scene and what needs to be done next. And I was like, oh, I fucking love that so much because I think your POV on stuff when you work on any creative assignment is always very specific to like your job. And, and it kind of reminded me of something that I do that I kind of just invented was for sound check. I don't often just stand on stage by my microphone. I'm often just like in the crowd looking at the band play. Yeah. Because I just want to know what it feels like to be someone in the audience. And sometimes I take out my ears and I like listen to what it's coming out through the PA. And I was like, oh, and I don't ever see any other lead singers sort of wandering around the the venue trying to take in the show from different corners. But it's so informative for me. And I'm just happy that I just thought to do that. Anyway, and it's always validating when you hear somebody else do something like that, where like you break the conventions of of the roles that you're supposed to have in your job. And you're going, no, I think this is actually just better and it works for me. So 
Do you think he could actually? Was it? What was he saying? He's a scientist in real life, Benny. Yeah, yeah. He's a like a physicist or something. Yeah. Do you think he could have really been a physicist? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, but but the way he he was bringing that up, I found very annoying. Did he he talk to? to, um, Is that what he's implying? He's like, if I wasn't an actor, I was actually going to be a physicist. And he he kept crowbarring that in, and then. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, when I was talking to Chris, like he's talking, I know, he was talking about Chris it. Nolan, Christopher Nolan. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, I, I was telling him this role is so perfect for me because I am a physicist at heart. <laughs> and if if my last movie didn't go well, which it did, I would have been a physicist. <laughs> so yeah, I found that a little. But I thought it was cool though because um, he basically was like, we put out Daddy Long Legs in two thousand eight. And then, like, nothing really happened for, like, nine years and or seven, eight years or whatever. And then Robert Pattinson reached out, and we did good time together. And, that, mm-hmm. and we always wanted to do gems that entire time, but we just had to find other projects to do in the meanwhile. And he also had kids, because, you know, I'm of the mind. If you have kids, you can't do anything Cosmo, in Cosmo, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, he, you know, he, he had kids very young. So there's still uh, hope for all of us. Well, for you, too. I'm, I don't need hope. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. I love my life. That's, that's insulting. Awesome. Yeah, I'm kidding. That was supposed to be a joke. Oh, okay. I, I, I love my life. <laughs> I was playing with my kids on the weekend, and I was just filled with such a sense of joy. I really was. Uh, good, man, good interview. You guys should uh, you should listen to it. Yes. Really good. Yeah. Yes. Dream scenario. Nick Cage. Yeah. Interesting. But so I did go to the theater. Mm. Um, recently, and I'm going to go for uh, May leave, leave the world behind. So leave the world behind. Yeah, yeah. I, I, May December feels like such a streamer to me. That's a streaming movie. It, I, I, it, sure, but I also I just find the enjoyment I get out of being in a theater yes. is always what twenty five percent better than anything you could ever experience at home. Not that you can't love yeah. a movie at home, but it's I'm just saying it will be twenty five percent better if you just watch it because you probably can't pay attention to a movie. There's also that. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on who you are, but I feel like you can get into a movie at home. I can. I'll put my phone on my desk and I'll actually watch if I'm trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, for, for, um, dream scenario, which was shot in like Burlington sort of all around here is Canada shoot Toronto, but there's like a restaurant. Anyway, I was, uh, it was a matinee and I went over and I grabbed like, you know, I had my snacks and shit and there's like only four other people in the theater. And there was a part, there's a really funny scene in the, the movie that made me like laugh out loud as I'm like eating my, uh, whatever my sandwich. And, uh, as I was like laughing there, like with my sandwich alone out loud, I was just like, I love this. I love <laughs> coming to a movie alone and just being in a matinee uh-huh. and just like sort of the joy of sort of was like, there, else in the theater? there was like four or five other people or whatever. There was a couple there's one guy in the theater last night as we were watching the leave the world behind movie. Yeah. There was only one other person. No, there's like, there's like, no, no, seven or eight people maybe yeah. in the theater, but the one, a guy sitting behind us was just cackling at certain points in the craziest way like <laughs> I was like it's not that funny uh, Mike's kind of like that though Mike I has do. no laugh reflex no <laughs> like like what do you mean like I uh, well I mean you can't contain yourself at no. all like we'll be in a dead quiet office with headphones <laughs> in and I won't duplicate what you just did because we are at work right now <laughs> yes, I get but, nervous yeah. when you started yelling like that uh, but Mike will do that and yeah. Mike will be on a plane and laugh like that. And well, Danica will have to be like, shut she up gets and like get gets mortified. Like if I'm watching, mm-hmm. what was that? What was the movie I was telling you I was watching on the plane? Oh, oh, Stuber. I was watching Stuber yeah. on a plane years ago and I was just laughing. It was a delight. It was a long flight home. And I could just tell every time I was laughing with my headphones in, Danica would just yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, this is too much laughing. But uh, I do that. I do do that. My, I just can't, if something tickles me or something makes me laugh, I'm going to mm. let it fly, man. It's the joy of life. I much agree. like my children, which Max can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Can you ever hold it back though? Mm. I don't like know if why you really wanted to. Could you not laugh? Probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can. 
Yeah. Mm. If I'm in like, yeah, if I, yeah, not, why would one hold a laugh back though? Do you ever hold a laugh back? All the time. Yeah. It's hard to make me laugh. Right. But are you mm. holding back consciously? Like, I'm just wondering if like, I just don't want to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even trying. I want to laugh, but Do it's you think that's a, f- a thing with funny people. Cause you're not, Mike's a very funny person, but Shane, I feel like a lot of comedians don't actually laugh that much. Like I don't know. It's just hard. Like I don't find a lot of stuff funny. Mm-hmm. It's right. very hard. Right. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you watched all three episodes of The Curse? No, I, I, I only thought the first two were out. And yeah, I fell asleep through one. the uh, second one. What's the, the, the least time? I like the second Is one. Is it like Once Mondays? Week. Yeah. No, but did you Tuesday nights, I think. Right, yeah. Or Friday, Fridays. Uh, Shane, what's going on with you? I've uh, been sleeping a lot through uh, content. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I should have more to say. The New York thing was just my big thing. And what now a I've story. got nothing. What Great. a story. Yeah, nothing I sent that around to a lot of people. I have nothing. That's my thing. You mm. sent that around to a lot of people. Yeah. Like, so how does that man, like, how does that look? Well, so you're like, this is really funny. You should listen to Shane's story. just send the pod yeah. to Rick yeah. Friends? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. John, my father-in-law, John, is, uh, he's like, that was a great story, but, uh, you got two Ed McMahons, you know, working for you. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> He's insane. I'm like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, Mike is actually like, he can't help himself. Mike just laughs if he genuinely finds something funny. He does help me out. But Max, he's the toughest guy. Like, he does not suffer fools. Like, to tell a story to you. To get you is, fully engaged. It's probably the toughest thing. <laughs> it, Sean was even messaging me. He's like, oh, man, like, I don't know how you were able to tell that New York story with with Max watching you. I was like, it was tough. And I had to edit a lot of parts. Cause you just give me the most like disapproving look. I don't know if you know you're doing it, oh, Do I? but you're just like dead behind the eyes. And you're just like, yeah, really? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually good. And I think anyone who wants to get better at storytelling <laughs> should tell you stories. <laughs> Let's offer this service. <laughs> that's, that's shameful. Cause I think of myself as a good willing listener, but I guess I'm not. But what's good is when you are tickled, mm. you'll really give in to mm. that tickling mm-hmm. you know you do not hold back if you find something funny mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I remember in particular, I told one joke, but it was the only joke that I had kind of pre-planned. Mm. It was about someone being behind me, like a model. It was kind of a hack setup joke. I was like, oh, there's this woman looking at me. And I oh, was feeling yeah. and it was a hack setup. You could see it a mile away. I say the line, you're just like, <laughs> and you were just, <laughs> you were so disappointed. You're like, yeah, shut up. You, you know, it was, it was like, move on. So that part, I just condensed so much because mm -hmm. I felt the hackness of it all. But which is funny, yeah. too, because I, of the three of us, by far, am the worst storyteller. I'm so long in the tooth. I go on and on and on. I don't have a punchline often. There's like no, I just start I rambling. Really? I just, yeah, I I, you guys are so nice John. to me is my point. So thank you. Well, you got two Ed McMahons, too. Yeah. Maybe yeah. with three Ed McMahons. Mm -hmm. Well, you just said you don't laugh. You laugh. I, but you, you guys are you, funny. You right, know, right, that's right, the thing. Yeah. You guys are genuinely funny. In general, I do not laugh that often, though. Yeah. And I find it hard when someone tries to be funny to me because then they can see that I'm faking it. I, yeah. I will polite laugh too for people in, in social situations because I don't, I, I, I want to put everyone at ease. So like say we're mm. at a party and someone's telling a story or whatever, I want to help them along. Like in that mm. situation, yeah. like I, yeah. I find socially, like, I don't know if that makes me empath or something, but I don't want to feel, I want to help them. So it's yeah. like, if, if I'm laughing a bit, maybe some other people will laugh or at least puts them at ease and in their storytelling. And you help me on the show all the time. I'll be trying to explain something and then, and then you could just see it in my eyes that I'm suffering. When you start to like, yeah, go like, a bit uh, off the path. What am I trying to say? And then you're like, I think what you're trying to say. And then you explain <laughs> it perfectly in three seconds. It's great. Sometimes yeah. I get nervous though that I cut you off a bit because- No, so, like, no I always appreciate it. Okay, good, good, always. good. Other people piss me off when they cut me off. Right. Book Club Maddie. Who had the good joke about the, uh, the previous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did have a good joke about that. Um, but yeah. Man, actually, I want to give a shout out. I was at uh, a local Hamilton establishment called Wildcat uh, oh, yeah. in the East End. A bunch mm -hmm. of our friends live in the East End or whatever. Mm. Um, but uh, shout out Sean Dawson, who had a tough week, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, his car was uh, stolen. It was his baby. We Wait, did he call you at the Wildcat to chat it out? Wait, did you not get that text? No, I no, missed I, it. No, he did not. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we were out there <laughs> another time. Um, it was a group of us. We're all hanging out at Wildcat. It was a good time. Anyway, I, I, uh, I'm, we're, oh, it was for a Celtics game. We were, I was like, oh, I'd go out and watch a Celtics game. And so we ended up all hanging out there. And, uh, Uber? What's that? Do you Uber there or drive there? I Uber. Nice. I'm going to drive. It's like Liam Gallagher. If you ever seen the interview where he's like, people always say, yo, you come over for one beer. He's like, who's going to have one beer? Yeah. yeah. He's like, what, well, you one beer? Tell me that your dog died and then I'm going to go home. It's like, no, we're going to say we're going to have fucking a hundred beers. <laughs> <laughs> so I very much relate to Liam in that sense. Like if I'm, if I'm going to put my pants on and my shoes on, I'm going to go to the pub. I'm not like, you know, I'm not leaving in 20 minutes. <laughs> like your pants. I forgot your pants are always off when you're home, right? <laughs> so yeah, maybe I got to be comfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danik is just like rolling her ass. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we're there, we're there and we're watching the game and uh, a nice fella came up uh, named Greg, uh, mm. who is a fan, a listener of the pod. Hey. And he went out of his way to talk about how much he enjoys it and all this stuff. And uh, he feels very akin to you and I because he has kids. And mm. anyway, interesting guy. But he was with a bunch of guys. It was his birthday. So I'm going to give him a shout out mm. on his birthday. And I actually meant to do this a couple pods ago because it was a while ago. But um, um, yeah, I did that thing where like, I was with our guys in like a booth in one end of the bar, but the bathroom, you have to pass him and his crew. Oh, he loves the vasectomy sketch. And him and his buddy watched the vasectomy sketch and laughed so hard they made their wives watch the vasectomy sketch. Their wives did not laugh as hard as them, which I then apologize. No, of course not. Yeah. It's, like, it's like that thing where you want to yeah. show somebody something. Funny. But these guys like loved it. So in some ways it was like, it was awesome talking to this, this table because you just felt good and they're big fans of the pod and the sketch show and all this stuff. So anyway, 
when I passed the second time to go to the bathroom, like now I'm kind of built of jokey rapport with this crew of guys. Kind of remind me of the Champagne Boys a bit, but mm-hmm. there was it was also kind of they were all there just for Greg's birthday, so they didn't fully know each other well. Anyway, I ended up fucking ditching our friends and just sitting with these guys <laughs> for the next hour talking about the new Beatles song, uh, <laughs> the Beatles as a metaphor for life and how to work together. I'm just pontificating. Anyway, I then it was just like it was a really good hang, and I wanted to give Greg and his pals a shout out. Mike has found a new captive audience. He's like my 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 old friends know all these stories already. They don't they- Heard every take ever. I got a new audience right here. Oh, and then every once in a while, one of our buddies would like go to the bathroom and just see me at the table. And we're all like <laughs> chucking it up with like my new crew. Anyway, so I'm going out with them next week. So it'll be a good time. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, no, I'm not. But I did want Greg was a, a sweetheart and I really, really, uh, really liked him. So there. So Sean got his car stolen. He did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. so there's uh, the, dog, the next day he got robbed again. And he got robbed again. Yeah. So there's, so Mike DNR band has a vintage Miata 92. Yeah. Uh, Sean has some, what is it? What was it that he has? Was it a Mustang? Um, no. It's not a Mustang. I don't it's know. Not a Mercedes. Though, right? No, it's like a ninety-two a Ford something or other. I don't know. Eighty-eight. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So Alex said it was a Mercedes, things. but it's I don't definitely think it's a Mercedes. Not. No, it's and definitely then not. Jay also has one, and they all like. I think it was like a pandemic project where they're like, let's go find these like vintage cars that, like, to be clear, they're not like. $200,000. These are rich people cars. These, yeah. These are like lovers, car lovers. They yeah. put money into it, time, effort. Like they're like, they're trying. Yeah. It's like they're little, what do they call them? The car boys or the, uh, the, the dog, dog, dog auto? house auto- yeah. automotive. So they got this mm. like little club of, of, you know, it's something they're really passionate about. Like mm-hmm. the way they say, like we love basketball or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, his car got stolen and then it was found like smashed up. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Tough one. Tough like, one. Really tough. And like so much. Uh, yeah. Like I just felt so bad because Sean loved that car so much. So hopefully it can be, I, you know, uh, restored but he I think did. it's a lot of money he was, t- he was texting me yeah about I don't think it's gonna happen yeah but. that'd be a big ask and this is why I don't like having anything I care about materially yes you know what I mean just the second you start to care about something a little too much it might break your heart it's true I don't know if that's a lesson it's probably not but just for me was well, it better to you know love and lose than to never have loved at all yeah that's true that's true. Can't go through your life scared, man. It's related to my kids' comment, I guess. It's, Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, well, we really got to come up with topics, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been like a review show. We've just done basically Jesus. Ten minutes. Okay. This is the uh, ten minutes that Raptors. feels like two hours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know this show doesn't get poly charged very often, but I saw something in the news uh, of note. So Jagmeet Singh, leader of the New Democratic Party, and Shane, that's like the left party. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, he was caught outside of a mall with a brand new, uh, what was it, Dolce Versace, oh. uh, Versace bag. Oh, and and I know he he traditionally you know he wears fine suits and that is part of his reputation. He likes the nicer things. He likes life. nicer things. But if you're supposed to be representing the union man and woman. You know, and yeah. you're supposed to be like biting the rich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aren't they, aren't like aren't the 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 NDP kind of like slightly socialist? Yeah. 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 So, but then he's got way. this like, how much do you think that bag costs? Uh, Three thousand dollars. Dang, dude. I have no idea. I just made that number up. Bags is a shopping bag. You don't know what the purchase. That's is. how much the shopping no, bags no, no, cost. Like no, you don't know what he bought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Oh. So he just picked up something from Versace. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So I guess my question for you, Shane, if is if you're a socialist, can you rock Versace? Well, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe if it's from Value Village, like if you it, mm. if you buy, if you thrifted, like it. I used to work at Talese and I had a bunch of Lacoste shirts that I'd buy yeah, from there cool. for five dollars. Were you good at that job? Yeah, you're good. You were like in your time. I never saw an action, but you were a good salesman, right? Were you good with the cell phones too? I was probably the best. Yeah. Um, I was making. <laughs> well, I 
Yeah, sales. I was the best salesperson that Silver City ever had in their history for selling pins. Mm. Like they wanted 10 pins sold a night and I would sell 350. So what? Yeah. You wanted to sell 10 pins and you sold 350. Yeah. Pins. So they have this, per they give you a microphone and you go out at, when I worked at Silver City Ancaster and they go sell these charity pins and they go, Oh, the record was 25, but if you can sell five to 10 a night, that's amazing. First night I sold 150. <laughs> They're like, Oh my God. What are the pins of? They were gold. I think they were Shrek related or something, okay. but it was for charity. How much were they? Uh, five bucks, five, uh -huh. maybe 10 bucks. Huh. Um, but I made a comedy routine around the whole thing. And I was doing a little bit of improv based off guessing what the audience, how they would react. Mm. And I'd have a bunch of offshoot jokes prepared. Seem that made it look like I was doing improv, but really I had all these jokes prepared. Anyway, one night I sold 350 pins wow. Crazy. and the head of Silver City was there. The pinhead? Yeah. Um, he and the then the he wrote this big letter, how I was the best salesperson Whoa. he had ever seen. So I have this letter and it's like, it means a lot to me because he's like the head, head, head of all Silver Cities. But anyway, from wow. that job, I sold cell phones at Rogers, hired by Sean Dawson, mm. who got his car uh, stolen. And I was making like, I think like 1500 every paycheck only working two days a week. So why wow. did you leave a job in sales? It seems like you're really good. Well, at it. Then it was very stressful. I did not like it. I didn't know anything about cell phones. I didn't know <laughs> one thing about cell phones. I didn't even have a cell phone when I started the job. I didn't know what the plans <laughs> meant anything. I would just kind of put on this like fake personality of like a charming person. I was essentially acting, mm. but I could be really funny. I even, uh, I would get dates Ooh. Like a bunch of stuff happened that was like not me. I was just I was so good at putting on this. <laughs> so anything to sell a phone. Act. Yeah. No, this because one day this woman, I had always had a crush on her for years and years. And then I sold her a phone and then I ended up calling her. Like, because I had her cell phone. <laughs> that That's against the rally against company policy. It was against code. It was against code. And if it went bad, it would have went terrible. But anyway. Um, but she accepted the date. She accepted the date. Whoa. Yes. Did you have like a, a false pretense for calling? Like, hey, I have your number because I just signed you up for your new phone. I'm calling just to make sure you're enjoying your service okay. and you want to go on a date with me. Truthfully, I texted her. Okay. So I was out at Shea. Hamilton I was like, I have the biggest crush on this person. And then I texted her and then two days went by and she didn't respond. Oh, God. That was an agony. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, obviously going down Reddit rabbit holes, how to delete texts, so like how to remove them from the phone, all this stuff. And then she responded, I'm so glad you messaged me. Whoa. He's like, I was thinking about it, too. And we ended up going on it a date. But obviously that Only one date. No, we went on like three. Oh, nice. Do you miss performing? Because it feels like you're performing all the time. Now, like you're doing improv, you're selling stuff, you're putting on a character. You get your heart pounding in an interesting way. Now, I yeah. know you occasionally get on stage related to like proper comedy shows, but yeah. it feels like you used to have to be on a little bit more. Do you miss that? Yeah, it was it was stressful though. Yeah, uh, I see that. Because I was performing for like 10,000 people every single night because there's three uh, movies used to be really popular people forget that but on a friday night you like 400 people in every theater, show yeah. every single show was sold out filled with babes and filled with everything like there was so much pressure to perform you're getting heckled by uh teenagers in like a horror film uh, -huh. uh so yeah it just the pressure was a lot but do I miss performing? It gets a heart pounding though, man. I, I don't think like do my heart pounding though. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Cause you like kind of, but I'm good at it. If I have a planned routine, I can really perform it well.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I don't miss it. Do you miss it at all, Mike? Silver City, because I worked at the same movie theater for three months. I don't miss it. I didn't get to do what you did, though. No, I, but you weren't performing. I mean, I mean, live performance. Oh, you were a live that. musician. I, I, well, I like Max's sort of question in a work context, because I was a server. Oh, okay. I was a waiter at Swiss Chalet for mm. that was before I got the Much gig. So I got this Much gig when I like I was out of school. I turned twenty and I got this gig through the video search, whatever. I got it through very unconventional means, like I didn't go to school or anything. But in that like three months before I got the gig, I I was living at home with no prospects. Like I was just literally hanging out on my couch, smoking cigarettes and playing guitar. Uh, <laughs> What a life, man. <laughs> Did I say I love my kids? Because I miss that life. Uh, no, but the, uh, yeah, so what happened was uh, my brother had been like, hey, they're interviewing people over across the street for like, they're opening a new Chalet in Ancaster. I was like, what? And I was like, well, maybe I'll go check it out. Because my brother actually really wanted a job. He's like 16. I would think I was 19, turning 20. And uh, I went over there. And I had, I had washed dishes at Krabby Joe's in Hamilton and it was the most demoralizing, brutal experience of my life. Like the people were just, the servers were coming in, the cooks, everyone was yelling at me. And I'd bought these new khakis from the Gap and they got fucking destroyed from that the dishwater. That was a huge era for khakis of the Gap. Oh my God, yes. I, I desperately wanted them. Yes, I, I know. know. Oh, it took everything. I had to save it for my previous job. Yeah. So now I, I take the, the dishwashing job. I do one shift and it was so demoralizing. I never went back. And they never paid me, by the way, Krabby Joe's. Uh, and then, um, and then... So when I went, you know, a couple months later to go interview at Swiss Chalet, I was like, listen, I was like, I, I'm a server. Like, I want to be a server. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be in the kitchen or anything. And just like, I was really confident. You know that, like that, um, that energy when you don't care if you get the job or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It served me so, cause I was being charming and there was a French Canadian woman that had been brought in from like head Swiss Chalet to mm-hmm. like help, uh, uh, you know, roll out this new thing. And she'd be like, Michael, you're a star. You're a star, Michael. And I was like, cool. I was like, great. So <laughs> cool. I was, I was one of them. I was like, as long as I'm not washing dishes. So I was like one, I w- it was me and there was one other male server and then all women, mm. um, and then all the dudes in the kitchen and whatever. My brother didn't end up getting a gig, by the way, which I guess in his interview, they asked him some weird, like sort of uh, surreal question. Like, if you could be any animal, what would you be? Oh, and Greg said, I would I would be a chicken so that you could eventually <laughs> cook me up and I could feed the people of Swish LA. I want to <laughs> be a chicken. Funny. Yeah, it's a funny sort of, <laughs> what do you want from that kind of answer? But Greg said when he said that, they just looked at, they gave him nothing. And uh, and this is like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, you knew my brother when he was 16. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I know him now. I can yeah. picture him uh, he was like, getting if you remember thing. the show King of the Hill, he was very much like Bobby Hill, like, oh, dad, like just kind of like oversized, get a grip, Aerosmith t-shirt and like just, you know, really cheery kid with his little circle glasses and a little bit of acne. So anyway, I just picture him trying to become like, a, you know, get a job at Swish LA and just being nervous a bit in the interview. But anyway, he didn't get it. I slide in there. I loved that job. I did it for three months and then I got much music. I went to the VJ search and everyone there was like rooting for me. And then I got, they asked me to come back and work. And I remember when I had to tell my manager, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go and. She was like, do you think you might want to like still come back and work on weekends for us? And I was like, Kim, I'm never coming back. Yeah. <laughs> the big city awaits. See yeah, the later. big city awaits. Yeah. Uh, but I did love that job. And the reason I loved it is because like I liked serving. Like I had regulars, like these little ladies would come in on mm. Sundays after church. And also I kind of did my own thing where they wanted me like upsell Jackson Triggs or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that to them. Like that, mm. they're not drinking wine this morning. We got a thing going. So mm. I just kind of did things my own way. And my one manager didn't like me because I was a bit rogue. And my other manager like loved that I was just kind of do my own thing and had my crew or my my crowd, the people that would come mm. in and request me. I love that job. So yeah, when Danica and I were talking, like if I ever leave the industry, like if I get out of TV or whatever, back to Swish LA, I might. I might or serving or bartender. I don't know something social because I like talking. You want a job at odds? <laughs> I'm good now. I'm not leaving the industry yet. Uh, okay. Now you try to get me out of the industry so I can work at your bar. Yeah. Have you ever had a resume? Yeah, yeah, oh, I did. Wow. I did back then. And you know what? I had to. There's been a couple promotions here where you have to formally, 
apply to get the yes. promotion. That's the only time I've ever had a exactly. resume. Yes. In the last, yeah. It's a how, fake resume that I've never used <laughs> yes. only to get promoted. Well, yeah. You didn't have a resume for your other jobs? I never had a resume. I don't know what it's like. I, uh, <laughs> I don't even have yeah. a LinkedIn. I don't That's cool. Me either. I don't. I don't know what it is. I know. No, but just because, based on the fact that he had to work at all these different places, where as a teenager you have to. You, there were just cattle sit. call interviews they used to yeah. do. Where uh-huh. I show up, be kind of funny, then you get hired. Things kind of always yeah. work out, and then so you don't need <laughs> yeah. a resume or like. Yeah, Sean LinkedIn. hired me for Rogers. That was easy. Talese was a cattle call. Silver City cattle call. Here was a contest. Mm-hmm. That was, was the thing. Yeah. The, for me, the brand of magic, like the thing that got. It was the VJ search. Like I was mm-hmm. I, eight out of 2000 people. I got to come here for the weekend. Yeah. That changed my life. That was the piece of magic I needed. And then once you got in, once you get mm-hmm. in the door, yeah, that's the hardest part. Is and that was like door. career time too. Yes. Now isn't really, it's hard to have a career. You can work at a place for two, three years and hop Move around. On. You probably yeah. need a resume, but totally. Yeah. We just got in that door. Yeah. Good times. But, uh, yeah, that, 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 uh, instinct to just not give a fuck is such an interesting one or not give a fuck, but just be like, yeah, loose, just loose. I was in uh, Kensington Market yesterday, two days ago. I was walking. I was with Ash, and we ran a test of virtue in in Morgan Riley. Oh yeah, mm. and they were on a, just a walk, and we we're just like having a really nice catch up. Obviously, Tessa is so cool and impressive in so many different ways. And Morgan, I don't know him as well, but just very likable guy, sort of soft spoken, but smart. And the fact that like he and Tessa are together kind of says, I think speaks to him because Tessa is so impressive. Yeah. I had this idea. And again, this is an idea that will likely go absolutely nowhere, but I got lots of ideas. So then the conversation, so then I was thinking to myself as we were talking, because the team had just been in Sweden and Tessa's doing other work and blah, blah, blah. I was like, eh, maybe I'll just pitch Morgan on it right now. So like, oh. Morgan, I got an idea. <laughs> I like it. Like, so you're doing a pitch, a cold pitch in Kensington. Yeah, in the middle of the street. Love it. And then, but it was interesting too because it's. I almost preferred it there because if I if mm-hmm. I had been like, I want to talk to Morgan. Let's get on a Zoom. Let me take him up for lunch. <sighs> like the context is so different. But because it was just so casual, and I kind of don't care if it goes. Yes. One way, then I'm just like, okay. And I believe I believe in the idea, and I think it's a really cool idea. But the formality of it all would suck the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to kind of pitch him, uh, ask him for his advice. I just kind of want to know his advice, whether he thought it was viable was he or into not. It? And I think he, and he has some really good feedback and actually Tessa had a comment that kind of solidified the idea itself that, that she, that That's had great. made the idea. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then, and then I just left it. So anyway, but, uh, no, you get to something so fundamental. I've found just sort of what we've been doing, like with, you know, whatever our shows like that we've done with Michael much in conversation with on crave or like uh, the desserts or anything that we're sort of doing as we sort of operate in this space is the, if you have to set up a thing to pitch your thing. Like if the reason to get together is to talk about the idea, you lose something. Mm -hmm. And this is why social networks are so goddamn important because it's like, if it can happen, like we were, people were going to be together for drinks anyway. And then the conversation naturally goes there. Mm -hmm. It just feels, I mean, maybe some people love being pitched or being sold something, but it's like, I'd rather talk about something exciting like that. It's like, I ran into him in Kensington and we just started talking about this thing. Sometimes you have to set it up. You Uh know what I mean? You don't have access to these things, but the most natural sort of like, uh, uh, the way that these things can come about is if it's conversational. Hey, I'm thinking about this thing and it's not mm-hmm. like a, can you just set, set aside time at 11 a.m. on Monday that because I can- Because then you're asking something from yes. somebody, but if it's more just like, I kind of want your opinion, maybe this aligns with something that you're interested in, maybe it doesn't, but anyway, just like, give me your two cents on it. Yeah, it's like when someone's like, I'm going to tell you a joke right now Yeah, and it's really great. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, fuck, now you, all you're thinking about is the fake laugh. Yeah. But if someone yeah. just tells you an idea you and get it's it right good, it. you yeah. can genuinely either like it or not like it because there's no pressure to yeah. like it. Yeah, meetings are tough. Meetings are tough. Um, actually, back to the Benny Safdie thing. He started talking about how he got to know Nathan Fielder. 
And he was just like, oh, I was a fan of Nathan's. And then like when I was in L.A., we'd kind of get together and just like just kind of hang out. And like one idea sort of led to another. And then like we kind of kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And then we're like, oh, we should probably make this into a TV show. And obviously they're like in rarefied air. But I did like that. It just sort of like stemmed. Yeah, from that's that. how ideas happen. You yeah. start a little text chain. Oh, I was thinking about this a little more. Oh, I was thinking about it a little more. And then it keeps mm. compounding until you just have to do it. Yeah. So I think we should wrap up this pod and talk about ideas. Okay, let's, let's do, it. do it. All right. I'm going to wrap up this pod and turn hit this record button off in two seconds. But until then, thank you to Nathan Nash. Thank you to Manager Ash. And thank you to the listeners for uh, hanging out with us because today was a great one. Maybe the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.